Welcome to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast, where we discuss how the gospel brings us together and keeps us together. We are your hosts, Kenny King. And I'm William Marshall, and we want to encourage Christians to think through how our lives and our churches can be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Diversity and Fellowship. Today, we are with Joanna Mendez. She serves with us on the Racial Reconciliation Task Force yes. for the Missouri Baptist Convention. And she recently wrote an article in The Pathway, which is the newspaper for the NBC. Mm. And it was such a great article that we wanted to bring her on and, and kind of discuss it a little bit further and a little bit more of her background. So we're going to jump into it. Say he- say hello to everybody, Joanna, please. Hi there. All right. All right. So let's, let's jump in to a great discussion. So Joanna, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what's going on with you. And how do you sure. feel like your background has impacted influ- or influenced your faith? So, um, I am originally from Mexico. Um, I was born and raised there. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, evangelical home, which is not very common in Mexico. Uh, The majority of the people proclaim to be uh, Roman Catholic. So um, I grew up in surrounded by ministers because my dad, uh, when I was born, he was still in seminary in Mexico. And then he had a degree in accounting, so he became the accountant of the seminary. So I lived in the seminary for a pretty chunk of my uh, childhood, surrounded by ministers and pastors and lots and lots of missionaries that were teachers at um, at this uh, seminary in Mexico City. Um, through that, my parents uh, were called um, to come to the U.S. Um, to get a, a master's degree. So we came here as international students first. Um, and my parents did a degree outside Chicago. Uh, there was a, sm- a small seminary that they attended mm-hmm. there, um, graduated, and we flew back to Mexico after that. But because of that, my dad got to meet a lot of people in the U.S. And so within, I think, three or four years of us being back in Mexico, he um, was invited to work at uh, in Southwest Missouri through um, it was a combined position with Missouri Baptist Convention and the International Mission, well, North American Mission Board. Um, So he was a church planter at the beginning when Mm. he when we moved to the United States working with ethnic uh, communities in the region. Mm -hmm. And then he transitioned to work for Greene County um, and doing the same thing. So throughout my uh, childhood, I was really emerged in church and emerged in uh, reaching the uh, teaching, you know, reaching people for the gospel. And as many of you know, ministers know that the call to ministry is not just for the father it's usually the wife and the children, especially Mm. during mission work. Uh, So my brother and I, we were really involved uh, from the get go. Um, So that was that, that's how I ended up in Southwest Missouri. I always get that question. Why Springfield? (laughs) And it was because it was centrally located for my dad Mm. and it was not 
too far from civilization. Because <laughs> right. yes. yeah. I grew up in Mexico City and Guadalajara, which are Ooh. huge cities, yeah. over 20 Ooh. million people in Mexico wow. City and about 8 million people in Guadalajara. So coming to Springfield was a an adjustment of many forms. Oh my um, so that's that. Um, currently, I have um, I went to college at Missouri State, mm -hmm. um, and then I got my undergrad, and my master's there. I have a master's in religious studies from Missouri State, um, but most of my career I worked in higher education. So I did, you know, mm -hmm. I work in several universities around Missouri and outside Missouri doing mm -hmm. recruitment and working with minority students and all that thing. Right. Uh, right now, though, I I have a small business with my husband. So that's what I'm working with. My husband and I work together. And mm -hmm. I also get the opportunity to stay home and be with my two boys uh, who are 10 and 7. So awesome. that's my life in a nutshell. It's wow. good. That was very yes. good. Very good. Yeah. So, so tell us, um, you know, in the article, you, you talked about the local church, and that's obviously, you know, that's one of the things that we like to talk about is the local church. And so what are some, you, you talked about just your love for the local church, and, and so what, what are some of the kind of positive experiences? You've obviously had some different experiences because you've had church in different countries, you've had church in different settings, a large, you know, large urban settings versus, mm -hmm. I mean, Springfield is somewhat large, but still. Not um, compared to Mexico not City, Not compared brother. to the one other cities that <laughs> no. she named. That's true, yes. Um, There's not many so, cities in the nation uh, that's compared true. to that. That is true. Right. So, so what are some positive experiences that, that you've had with the local church? So, you know, growing up, I mean, and I wrote in the article, I really do love the church. I mean, it's, it's always been part of my life. Um, I did um, very early on in my um, young adulthood, I really needed to in, understand my relationship with the church because as a child growing in church, it becomes like a thing that you do, you know, kind of like you just used to it. You What do you do every Sunday? You go to church. What do you do on Wednesdays? You go to church. So right. I started digging deeper into really understanding what was the purpose of the church and what was the intention for me as a to be part of that. And so as I got deeper in that, I, I just really learned to love the church um, because of what Christ does for it. I mean, that's just solely it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what Christ did for it and it did for us. And so we're together representing God's grace together. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, um, loving the church is loving Christ in, in a sense, loving, understanding who he is and what he has done for me. And the positive, I had just a lot of experiences. Um, of course, in Mexico, I had several experiences, but here in the United States specifically, I mean, when I moved here, we didn't know anyone. Um, we had moved to this country. Uh, we settled in, in, in Springfield and the First Baptist Church in Springfield allowed us to stay in one of their missionary apartments until we found a place to of our own and just just the welcoming that we received as a family uh, in the local church those open arms even though they didn't know anything about us i remember our first christmas we had a christmas package from um, a local church that presents um because we had just arrived and so just those little how the body of Christ is not just in one location in one country, but extends throughout the world. And that uh, fellowship and love 
transpasses languages barriers and and um culture differences right and so that's kind of how i feel about the church and just the many blessings one most recently and i just have to say it because it was humongous for me my local church um my son my youngest son had to have eye surgery last year mm-hmm. and because i no longer have work at the university i we don't have health insurance mm. uh we have uh, a different form you know something sure. else but it's not health insurance but our provider wouldn't cover it because it was pre-existing condition for my son uh-huh. well my small group at the church got together and uh, did an event for us to raise funds to help us cover my son's surgery and that to me just blew me completely away Amen. you know um and so to me again that is just an amazing way of just the positive experiences i had in the church and my family have been recipient of god's love through my local church so how can i not believe in the church Amen. yes amen, amen. So you you know you talked about the positive experiences. Have there has there been any struggles within the church that you've experienced? Mm. Yeah, um, yes, yeah. definitely. And and you know, I think my story is going to be just a story of juxtapositions, just because I just talk about how amazing and how welcoming and loving have been. But yet at the same time, uh, I shared in my article the struggles of um, of you know, feeling part of or belonging. Uh, so it, it it almost feels like, okay, what's going on here? But that's been my experience. Mm. Uh, my experience has been that constant back and forth of um, accept of belonging, being loved and taking care after, but also struggling to figure out my place within the local church. Um, mm. So some of the struggles, I think, the biggest one is more internal, really, um, is the assimilation that I talked a little bit in my article, mm. just um, the idea that um, there are certain expectations, right? And as long as I meet those or I am, I'm not ruffling feathers by the way I do things or the way that I share or what I share, then everything's going to be okay. And I think as an immigrant in a predominantly white church, um, I have to just keep my mouth shut a lot, Mm. not because I think what they're saying is, is wrong or is sinful. It's just because my perspective or point of view is extremely different from Mm. what they're talking. And so sometimes I, I have to to keep my mouth shut, and my husband knows that's a very hard thing to do for me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> why do you? Um, so, why do you think you, you talked about? You've worked with students, you know. So, I'm sure some probably mm-hmm. some students have had similar experiences to you, and maybe not even in the local church, but just in like the university setting or things like that. Mm-hmm. But, but why do you think there is a kind of this pressure on minorities to assimilate in the local church? I think because, interesting for me, as an immigrant, when I moved to the States, I assumed that was going to happen, right? I was moving to another country. It's not my home country. I'm not from the United States. So it's like I was... I already knew I was going to have to learn English. I already knew I was going to have, you know, to learn how to eat different types of things because that was already expected by just the knowledge of you moving to another place that is suspected right right my struggle with assimilation has become is like at what point am i 
American enough, <laughs> mm. right? I've been in the United States for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. I speak uh, fluently. I am part, uh, contribute to the community, yet uh, I continue to feel like I have to continue to adjust and adapt, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, let it be my accent. People immediately know I'm not from here. So the question always arises, where are you from? Again, pointing out that I, I'm not from here, that I am not, that I'm different. Um, my skin color is never, you know, I'm not dark complected. My husband is. So just by visual, I don't get that. But it's by the way, maybe I respond to my kids when I speak Spanish or, or things like that. So the assimilation thing is always like this never ending cycle in my life. And it gets to where I'm like, when is it, when is it going to end? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when am I going to just be an American? Mm -hmm. um, and the reality is that I feel it probably will never be. Um, that is in the society. I think that struggle goes with a lot of internationals migrated to the United States and, and residing in the United States, that struggle of feeling like they will always be the other, right? Mm -hmm. In the local church, I think that same concept filters through, right? Um, yeah. We think that by being polite and nice, we're accepting, which it is, but uh, on the other end, it's exhausting for us as immigrants to continually have to represents ourselves in a way that is accepting for the majority mm -hmm. um, and that goes even in the local church yeah yeah so what could we do as the church to fight against that to to kind of fight against this this pressure that we try to we put on people who are different than us to become like us yeah and i don't think it's intentional i mean if i ask the right. people in my church do you want me to you know, I had a few conversations where people did ask me when one individual did ask me, not at the church, but asked me, when are you going to get rid of your accent? And I think I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what kind of question is that? Yeah. Um, and it just shows the lack of, of understanding and acceptance and saying, you know, accent has nothing to do with anything, right? right. I mean, you have a Southern accent, you have a Northern accent. I have a foreign accent. I mean, but um, when it's so evident and consistent, I don't think people are meaning to alienate us in any form or way. And I think that's why it's so difficult to tackle it. Because if you ask front forward and ask them, are, are you having any issues? They'll say, oh, no, 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 no. I love you. You're my sister. You're my brother in Christ. But it's just subtle things that still point out to you are different than us you know um and so i think one of the things that i talked about in my book is in, in the article is that open door policy i think that's mm -hmm. a, a thing yeah. um this concept of oh well we, we're never gonna reject anyone you know our church is open to anyone everyone and i truly do believe that that they do they want that it's yeah. not that they're lying or covering it up but open door policy does not mean that you have an environment that fosters fellowship that fosters the sense of oh, of belonging right um mm. you know and i think as a culture we're very much into programs 
right? Okay, so how do we make our immigrants feel welcome? Let's have an ESL class. Okay, so let's teach them English. Okay, um, let's get, you know, into their colleges and, and do international friends things. And that way they can come visit our house. And, you know, so we're very much into programs. But when did a friendship equal a program? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think that's where the pitfall of our churches are, that our welcome policy is like, welcome, but don't bother me. But I don't want to sit at your table and figure out what you're saying because your accent is very thick and I just quite don't get it. So I'll say hi, bye, but, you know, sit next to me. That's fine. But we're not going to fellowship at my house. Um, It's going to go have lunch after church uh i'm not gonna eat your food because it's spicy and <laughs> and it's weird yeah, right and my kids uh, don't eat that kind of food so instead of embarrassing we're just not gonna hang out right so i think that's not intentionally it's not verbal it's and even mm. if i tell them that that's what's happening they'll be like oh no 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 that's never our intention but that's what programs do they replace friendships they replace mm me reaching out, me being intentional. They create a program that, oh, the ESL teacher, not me. I don't teach English, so it's their program. Oh, I don't have time for an international friend, so that's them, not me. Um, So I think that's why open policies gives a responsibility to somebody else. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, it almost sounds like you can, like the open door policy at the local church allows you to have a closed door policy in your house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think that. I mean, that's you're not like well, I'm, I'm I'm close to them, but it's almost like because of the ministries and what's happening at the church, I don't necessarily have to invest. I don't have to do the work of getting to know this person and you know having having fun and eating a, eating food at their house and them coming over and eating food at our house and uh, that's very insightful. I, mean, I think that's helpful. Yeah. Then then you know you kind of have this discomfort of. Uh, I don't, I don't want to get out of my own comfort zone. Mm. I, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be around people who speak the same language or has the same accent or eats the same type of food as me and, and right. things like that. And you never really get to experience um, things outside of your own culture. And I mean, and, and at the same time, what is it, what it's saying is, and not necessarily intentionally as you, you know, are kind enough to point out yeah what you're saying is is that um your culture doesn't have any value Mm. right Mm. it it, it has no value to me as you know as a majority culture person or Mm. you know i'm I'm just going to Mm. stay in my lane you stay in your lane and we'll be good we'll all be good but that's not how the church is designed to be right Mm. yeah yeah and I think it also gives this sense of, you know, it's it hap- it's a time frame, right? Well, I'll I'll intermingle with them between this and this hour. Yeah. And that's mm. it. And then mm. I'm back to my quote unquote normal life. Right. You know. Um, that's why sometimes I feel mission trips can be um Obviously, I actually, I am a a product of immigrant, of missionaries in my country. So uh, I'm not, but I think it gives this sense of for a week, I'll be a super Christian, you know, and I'll do all these things. But then after that, I'm back to my normal life. Yeah. And it gives us brackets of spirituality where we're like, 
we did all this one week and it's amazing 20 people accepted christ and blah 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 blah. and then we come back to the u.s and we that was then now is now you know mm. i keep up with my life and that's the danger or the pitfall of of having those pr- programs of evangelism because any program gives you the sense of the program is over i come back to my normal life yeah right right well, okay, so we kind of opened up the door here. How, how would you? So I, I do think, you, you know, I mean, some of, some of the, um, some of the struggle is not intentional, right? It's just, it's just yeah. kind of, hey, we're not being intentional. But, but you know, one of the things that Kenny and I have talked about a lot, if we're going to address diversity and fellowship and push for that, we are going to have mm-hmm. to be intentional. Yeah. And so, h- how would you encourage local pastors, you know, leaders, you know, people in the church? to address kind of these immigration issues or assimilation issues? Like what would be some things that you would say, Hey, here's, here's an approach or here, try this or, you know, something that they could kind of walk away and say, Hey, I need to, we need to think about that. We need to pray about that. So how, what, what would be maybe some, something you would say about that? I think when I was thinking about that question, one of the things I asked myself is what did I really value? What do I really value in Christian fellowship? Right. Yeah. Because um, really to dig deeper and to understand, OK, why do I feel uncomfortable sometimes in my local church? I've been at this specific, this uh, church for almost eight years now. I've been a member of that church and I'm like, why do I continue to struggle? Um, and why do I I mean, there's been times that I'm like packing my books in my Bible. And I'm like, tell me, husband, we're not coming. I, I need to find somewhere else. Uh-huh. Right. Mm. Um, but then my question was, what is it that I value in Christian fellowship? And that's the question I think I would need, our leaders need to ask, what do we value in Christian fellowship? Mm. Um, and then answering those questions to me, you know, it, it, it first we need to start praying. I think a lot of times we are so entangled with our programmings and our um, day-to-day responsibilities as leaders that um, we leave aside that just humanity of the local church, right? Um, Christ, I believe, you know, wanted for us to have fellowship, and I don't think it wanted to be exclusively of one ethnic group. Um, Really, that's something I've learned in the United States, just the history of why um, the church is so diverse, so isolated, one culture from the next, right? Yeah. And it's a unique problem in the United States, I think, um, just because of the history and everything. Yeah. But, um, and because of the continual flow of immigrants, I mean, honestly, the diff- the immigrant community is not going away. We keep coming, right? Mm. So this situation... Um, the first question I think our pastors should ask is, what do we value in a fellowship? What do I want my members to really get out of interacting with? Are we losing something by not interacting, by not welcoming, by the full sense of welcoming people from other countries to our church? Um, What is it that we're losing and what are we, what could we gain from that? Um, And I think part of me for a Christian fellowship is really, I value that relationship, you know, that um, sharpening of the, of the, what is it like sharpening the iron or Mm -hmm. iron sharpens iron. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because honestly, 
I have grown so much by being in an American, like all white church mm. that I feel like they're missing out. You're missing out because I am the one that's being constantly stretched. I am the one that's being constantly challenged by different points of view, but uh, with a Christian perspective. Yeah. But because you're so alienated, you are missing out on the opportunity of being of hearing other people's experiences of Christ uh, living in their midst and what Christ is doing in their lives and how that can strengthen you. And I truly believe that um, it really helped us to kind of, this diverse fellowship helps us kind of filter and clean up some of what we already assume about the gospel um, and really start digging, is this a cultural perspective? Is this a personal perspective or is this a gospel perspective? Amen. And if yeah. you only have people that think just like you, then you're, you're going to think, no, this is a gospel perspective. Right. But that's because nobody's challenging you on those. So I think that leaders need to apply that to themselves, meaning the leadership right. <laughs> needs yes. to be ruffled a little bit, add more color, add more accents, add more um, ideas. And I know it's complicated. Right. It's complicated. Yes. Pastors don't, leaders, you know, they want to stay within their group, within their people. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, I different places at different times. Um, but I do think that maybe because you're, the church is not welcoming and it's not being intentional, then any opportunity for any leader that is not fits the the doesn't fit the traditional profile will probably not stick around for very long right mm, that's yeah. Good. yeah yeah man that's good stuff um you had mentioned we had talked about possibly a um a, a diversity book. and fellowship resource, resource yes. yes i was like what do we used to call those we don't know we don't know what we call them anymore because <laughs> we don't do it enough anymore but um. yes Sister so Joanna I, has a resource for us that yes, she would like to yes. share for us, and we will put the link in the podcast notes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, this is by Karen Gonzalez. Um, she works with World Relief, um, and she's an immigrant from Guatemala. Um, and in her book, The God Who Sees, yes. um, she talks about immigrants, the Bible, and the journey to belonging. And mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting because she writes – she she chooses um, stories from the scripture and then she kind of take uh, relates it to her personal journey yes. uh, mm -hmm. as an immigrant to the United States. So it's, it's a very easy read, um, but I think it kind of starts a conversation yeah, um, on this topic. I think mm -hmm. it, it might be useful. Great. It's great. great. Yeah, we'll yeah. put the uh, put a link to that in the podcast if anybody's listening and interested in picking that up. So we always want to close uh, with a crazy question. Yep. So, uh, Pastor Kenny, you wanna? We have a crazy question for you today. Yes. So here's our crazy question. All right, Joanna. So the crazy question today is: What is the craziest thing that someone has assumed based upon your ethnicity? <laughs> well, I got uh, several things, but the one I want to share is they yes. thought I was a soccer player. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Really? laughs> you know, this is great. And I'm like, right. They're like, nope. Yes. Nope. We need I'm more. We do need. Soccer. 
we do need more soccer discussion on our podcast. Right. This might be the first soccer <laughs> this discussion is, this is it. that's ever happened. Right. There we, you go. We are very, uh, mm. we are not diverse in, in regarding our sports no, conversation. No. It's basketball, true. football. That's probably that's it. That's pretty right? much it. Baseball, yeah. maybe. Every but once soccer. in a while. Yes. That <laughs> yes. is good. Look at that. Breaking barriers on so you, the podcast. Today. You you had to say no. I'm actually not a soccer player. That was. I did, but they insisted, <laughs> so I played with them intramurals. And the first okay. game, they realized I was telling the truth. <laughs> like what? You know, <laughs> like she tried to tell us, we did not listen. Did not listen. We have made a mistake here in this situation. Yes. They, yes. they learn not to make assumptions anymore. Hopefully, well, that's good. That's yes. good, right? Yes. God, so, God teaches in mysterious ways right. sometimes, he even does. through a soccer match. Yes. Right? yes. yes. Well, hey, thanks so much for uh, being with us today and participating. And uh, again, the article was great. Just really appreciate that. And um, we'll put a link way. up to that as well. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And uh, we just appreciate your perspective, and I just want to thank you so much for just your love for Jesus and your love for the local church and uh, for being willing to talk with us today. Amen. Well, thank you, and thank you so much for just giving me an opportunity to share more about my story. I really enjoy listening to your podcast, and I appreciate you trying to have deep conversations about topics that can be controversial, but with a godly perspective and just being gentle and respectful. So I appreciate that. Cool. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, guys, for uh, listening in. And uh, we we, uh, hope you've enjoyed the conversation, and we'll pick up with you next week. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to the Diversity and Fellowship podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us your questions and your comments to diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. That's diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, keep laboring by God's grace to be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ.